Oh, so many great memories from the Challenge Youth Conference, the National Free Church Youth Conference. Over 3,500 kids from all over the country came and spent a week together praising the Lord and being taught and trained, and it was phenomenal. Great memories and great memories of very little rest. <laughs> but it was fantastic. Uh, we had so much fun. It was incredible. Before we go into any more detail about that, um, I do want you to know that in case I get a little distracted this morning, uh, it's just things are a little bit off today. Um, I just got used to the Joe's sitting over there. So <laughs> it's a little bit, whoa, kind of leaning over there. And then good friends, Tim and Kelly, who have moved out west for a while, are back. And this is just amazing to see them. So duly embarrassed. Make sure everybody goes up and says hello. Uh, in fact, right now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's great to have you guys here. Great to see you. Uh, but we're excited because the challenge was an amazing thing. Oh, that's right. One more thing, too, before I go into the details there. Um, I want to give you an update. Uh, Pastor Tom texted us late last night and said that he had taken Deb into the emergency room. He didn't give any more details on that, but that they had to then go to Mayo for surgery today. So uh, they'll be they are there. We don't know when the surgery is. I don't know what the details are, but I said that we would stop and pray for them during the service. Let's pray for them real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love Tom and Deb uh, more than any of us ever could, even combined. So we know that we can trust you with them. So we pray for whatever the surgery is, that it would go well, that you'd sustain them, that you would comfort them, and that Deb would heal quickly and completely. Uh, Lord, just bless them today. Help them to know that we are thinking of them today and with them in whatever way that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. So challenge, every other year, the students from all over the country gather together, and our theme this year was there is more, and that Jesus offers so much more than the world could ever offer. Uh, the main sessions were filled with powerful times of worship, and I don't know if you've had a lot of experience with teenagers, some positive, some negative, perhaps. Uh, I want you to understand that in these rallies, the students sang at the top of their lungs passionately, whether it's a newer song or an old hymn or a chorus, it was powerful. It was awesome. The speakers walked us through the first Peter, which was awesome to be in one book all week. And they address topics like more grace and peace in exile, more hope in salvation, more goodness in obedience, more acceptance in God, more honor in relationships, more life in Jesus, more love in community, and more reward in suffering. Some great talks. Uh, in the afternoons, between seven and 10 optional equipping labs were offered each afternoon. And our students were required to go to at least two of those. Many went to all four that the sessions that we were able to attend. But there was up to 34 topics relevant to today. And again, I don't know your experience with teenagers or what you expect of them, but I want you to know they were after some hard-hitting topics. And it was awesome to equip our students to figure out how to live life to its full when they face these different uh, battles in the schools and in the places where they work and play. So these are some of the, the titles. There's 15 of those that are just up there as samples of the 34. And it was not little bubblegum stuff. It was how do we really bring the gospel to our friends and our, our classmates. It was awesome. So we went to two equipping labs, two of the four days, a minimum. Some went all four. The other two afternoons we spent in uh, service projects. We did two service projects. We gave our kids the uh, ability to serve and put others before them. It was amazing. 
And the first one, we cleaned a park. It was a very large park. There was a little over probably 100, 120 of us there from two different youth groups. And we spent an hour and a half to two hours. It was supposed to be two and a half to three, but it was so hot for the safety of our kids, we cut it back an hour. But uh, they served so, so very, very well, working hard at cleaning up. It was the day after July 4th, and there were numerous families who decided to have a great time on July 4th and leave evidence of the fact that they had a great time on July 4th. So there was large garbage bags that our kids filled up and uh, put together and cleaned up the park. It was awesome. It was just incredibly awesome. They did no complaining. It was bitter hot, or at least they didn't do it out loud to the leaders. So way to go, kids. Our second project uh, was also another blazing hot day, and we had the opportunity to serve a sweet lady named Johnny. When we saw who the homeowner was, I was looking forward to meeting Johnny, and then she surprised me when she came out, and it was a female. And we had a great conversation with her, but we scraped and painted her house And again, another blazing hot day gave the kids a golden opportunity to serve and put others like Johnny ahead of themselves. They served incredibly well and represented the Lord awesome. Johnny was deeply, deeply moved. And uh, this shot on the patio, that's her with her kind of back to the building. We got a chance to talk with her and pray with her before we left. And I chatted with her a little bit after the kids got on the bus, and I just said what a pleasure it was to serve her and encourage her. And I said, why don't you go in uh, where it's a little cooler because it's very hot. And she goes, well, I'd love to, but I've got to go visit my mom. And this girl's like in her mid-80s. And so I said, oh, wow. And uh, she goes, yep, she's 101 and a half. And she said, those halves are pertinent at this age. I said, oh, that's fantastic. But her parting words to me was, this world needs more people like these kids. And I couldn't agree more. They were just fantastic. So proud to be with them. Before every evening session was a one-hour prayer gathering called Prayer Moves. And again, 3,500 kids were there. At one of the prayer moves, there was over 1,700 kids who gathered to pray. It was awesome. We required our students to attend at least one of those hour-long prayer times. And just to experience what it was like, many of our students attended all four. And it was incredible to spend time together worshiping and praying for one hour and to pray for each other, the conference, and then specifically for the evening gathering, the large gathering time. Our group had so much fun. They were a riot. Uh, They're creative. They're passionate about the Lord. They wrestle with real life issues. They're figuring out life and they want to make a difference. So we want to thank you, the church, for your support through our budget for youth ministry, for your generous support during dinner theater, and then some of your private donations and certainly your prayers for us as well. It was noticed and felt. Our kids are very creative and so normal pictures are fun, but then they decided to go a little bit more creative and we'll see these in just a moment. There they decided to go different angles and uh, different close-ups. Some of these are hard. There's Pastor Seth. Yep, and then Veronica. So uh, they just had a ton of fun interacting with each other and uh, so proud to be with them most of the time. I know all the time. Oh, excuse me. So it's kind of fun to figure out who they are. We also suffered at the pool a little bit because of the intense heat. Uh, There was a nice pool in our hotel, so we went out there a couple of times to cool down and refresh. And uh, it was a rooftop pool on the seventh floor. It was just a great time. Interact with other kids from other youth groups too which was really fun. But our kids were phenomenal. Our kids understand that in Jesus, God offers us so much more than the world or our own personal human desires. Following Jesus is more than just saying the right things and not saying the wrong things. Following Jesus is more than just following rules or doing and saying the right things. 
Following Jesus biblically stems from the realization we were hopeless without him, dead in our sins, headed for eternal punishment in hell. Without Jesus, we couldn't see what he had to offer. So much more than what the world offers. It's like God offers us a pair of glasses. And he comes, he goes, here you go, Kent, or whoever you are, here's a pair of glasses. And we go, oh, no thanks. I can see pretty good, thanks. I'm, I'm making it just fine. When the reality is we have a blurred vision through our own personal experiences and understanding. And we don't really see what it is that God has for us fully until we accept his spiritual glasses, if you will, through Jesus. You see, I can see, I can read some of the notes today, but I have to work pretty hard and maybe get those words correct. But as soon as I put my glasses on, everything is so much clearer. I can read the text clearly and without effort. It doesn't mean that all the texts and emails are fun to read or aren't ever sad, disappointing, or even hurtful. But I can see clearly what's before me and I can see clearly God's offer to help in every area of my life. Choosing to follow Jesus doesn't guarantee ease, lack of trouble, and no conflict. Following Jesus gives us the ability to clearly see where we are headed, recognize danger areas in our life, see how to get help, see the needs of others, and recognize how we can help others. The world has a lot to offer, let's be honest, but Jesus has so much more to offer. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it much more restrictive. No, it doesn't say that. Have it much more abundant. Abundant. When we trust the Lord, he rises above all of our own needs and desires. And he goes, Kent, I've got so much more for you. And he's got the same for you. Don't settle for the temporary of this world, but experience the eternal offered through Jesus. The book of Proverbs has a lot of parables and instructions for life and a better way to live. However, without the personal relationship with Jesus and a desire to love and follow him in obedience, we reduce the Bible to a self-help book. We see God's word through the haze of self and worldly understanding. With the clear lens of a relationship with Jesus, the Bible gets elevated to its rightful place. A guide to know Jesus, honor Jesus, and experience the abundant life he came to give. As Howard Dahl shared last week, how you see God matters. How you see God matters. If you see him from far away, you might not appreciate, respect, or fear him the way he deserves. It's kind of like the dad and his son who were out walking in a park, and the son looked up and saw an airplane. He said, hey, dad, how big is that airplane? And the dad turned, well, how big do you think it is? And the son looked and goes, well, it's really small, dad. And the dad goes, yeah, it does look pretty small, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, let's take a little field trip, son. Let's go over to the airport. So they went to the airport, saw a really large plane. The kid walked up with a wide eye, like, wow. And the, the, the dad goes, well, son, how big is this airplane? He goes, it's huge, dad. And the dad goes, I know. It's the same kind of airplane that you saw in the park. You're just closer to it. The same is with God. The closer you are to him, the bigger he is, the more capable he is of taking care of your needs and the more you revere and fear him because he's that big. You realize he is more than the guy upstairs as someone referred to him to me last week. He's the almighty, all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, righteous, holy God, able to handle everything in your life 
and able to give the clarity in life that you desire. With a right relationship with God through Jesus, you are now ready to see what he has to say about all areas of our lives. For the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Start with a relationship with Jesus and a proper view of our holy, awesome God, and you begin your journey toward living wisely with the proper perspective of gratitude for what he has done and for who he is. This holy, all-powerful God has given us his word, the Bible, to guide us through this life. It'd probably be pretty wise for us to pay attention to what it says. Well, this week we continue our series, Wisdom for Life. Proverbs deals with so many practical areas of our lives. And so far, Pastor Seth, Pastor Tom, Howard Dahl have addressed musings, marriage, more, movies, and ministry. M and M and M and M and M. Ushers, would you please help us out? M and M and M. For those of you at home, uh, the ushers are currently handing out little bags of M&Ms. I couldn't figure out how to get them to you at home, uh, so I apologize for that, or your lake, or in your car, but feel free to get some later, okay, uh, at your convenience. You'll find out more about what these M&Ms stand for as we go through our sermon this morning, but M&Ms... As they continue to do that, don't be too picky. Just grab one and pass it on. The, the, the people in the back are getting a little anxious, okay? Get those things back here. Uh, and you can trade, but don't fight over the, the kind. There's variety. So this week, our topic is the mouth. And the sermon title is Motives and Mouths. Before I go any further, I want to assure you, I am no expert on the topic. I have said plenty of things in my life that I wish I had never said. I'm still working on this as well. And in fact, the words of John Fisher, who's an author, singer, and songwriter, uh, these words say it well. I'm not one who's got it all in place, telling you what you should do. No, I'm just one old hungry beggar telling you where I found food. So what I've found is some great, helpful, biblical truths to help in the use of words. The book of Proverbs offers a much more magnificent management manual for the Christian life. It provides insightful short teachings. And the mouth is a big deal in Proverbs. According to crosswalk.com, the words tongue, mouth, lips, and words are mentioned in Proverbs over 170 times. If you said something to me 170 times, I think I would get a clue that I bet that's fairly important to you. I might even gain that understanding after you say it 10 times. I'm that quick. Then 11 and then 12. You said 170, I'd realize, oh my goodness, I better pay attention. Well, in one book, God used Solomon to address our mouths over 170 times. But before we can talk about what the Proverbs have to say about the mouth, we need to look at what the Bible says about our motives or our heart. Because if we merely talk about mouths and the words we run, or and words, we run the risk of, again, merely teaching behavioral modification, making sure you say the right things, even though your heart may be far from right with the Lord. So the acrostic for today is what was handed out by the ushers. Our acrostic is M&M. 
Every time you see M&Ms, I want you to think motives and mouths. The motive, where's your heart? How's your heart doing? What's your heart filled with? What's your motive for living? What's your motive for communicating? And then the other M is your mouth. How are you using your mouth in communication with other people around you? Motives and mouths go together. They line up. Well, what does that mean? The Bible puts it this way in Luke 6.45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let's read that together, okay? A good man brings good things... Yeah, <laughs> out loud, actually. That's why I didn't say that part. Three of you followed. That's great. So if the rest of us, even at home, come on, we're listening uh, through your TV. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Luke 6.45, here it is. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The heart speaks what the heart is full of. Now, if you're a grammatical person, you, that's driving you crazy. So the heart speaks of which, or the mouth speaks of which your heart is full. Okay? You don't want to ever end with that preposition. But whatever your heart is full of, that's what's going to translate over into your mouth. So what's in your heart? Let me ask you that question. What is your heart full of right now? Think about it for a minute. What is, if, if we're to open up your heart right now and just see the things that you've put in your heart this week, maybe even just this morning, what is your heart full of? What is your heart full of? And then what's in the process of filling your heart? What have you given access to your heart and actually allowed to make residence there? To what have you been listening and what have you been watching? Or where have you been scrolling or surfing? And what, about have you, what have you been thinking about? What are you allowing into your life that impacts who you are, what you think, and how you live? If our heart is full of bad things, those verses that we just read from Matthew chapter 6, then bad things are going to come out. Have you ever had someone speak into your life in a profound manner? Like they said one little phrase that just went, oh, I like that. That's impacting. Well, I've had a number of people share short phrases with me and things that have stuck with me for a while. So I thought I'd share just a few examples of phrases that have impacted me. First of all, Billy Graham, when Nick Hall was able to spend some time with him before Billy Graham died, uh, he sat with him and they just had some great dialogue. And I don't remember if I read about it or if I heard from him. I don't remember how I found out about it, but when Billy Graham was asked by Nick Hall, what would you do differently if you're able to do life all over again? This just, this drilled me in my heart. Billy Graham said, I would pray more. What great words of insight. How powerful is that? It's come to my mind so many times when I'm facing different things. I go, God, I need to pray more. I want to pray more. Thank you for using Billy Graham to spur that in my life. The legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, most of us have heard this one. Vince Lombardi said, practice makes perfect. And we use that with our kids sometimes, don't we? Practice makes perfect. Keep going. Keep trying. Babe Ruth, I got a kick out of this one. Uh, Babe Ruth, as you maybe know, is a home run king. I think he's third maybe all time now or something. He hit 714 home runs in his career. Amazing, isn't it? 
And he said, eh, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Well, it didn't hinder him at all because he struck out 1,330 times and hit 714 home runs. And we know him for the home runs, most of us. He said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. And NDSU, I attribute it to Coach Bull. I'm not, we couldn't, this week couldn't pinpoint exactly when this started, but NDSU football, whether you like them or don't like them, they've got a bunch of national championships, a lot of success. And I love this phrase. This has stuck with me a lot too. Stay hungry, stay humble. So just because the team has won a bunch of national championships, keep striving for more, keep getting better, but stay humble in the process. And then this one that we'll talk about a lot more today is by a guy named Solomon. Solomon is a man of great wisdom, and he said, above all else, that should get your attention, above all else, most important of all things, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. It's a short statement, life-altering. Guard your heart. Pay attention to what is filling your heart above all else. Let's read it again, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let's do it out loud together. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One more time together. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's pretty significant. When everything you do flows from it, we should pay attention to what is it that we're putting in. One biblical motive behind our words, as we move into our outline of M and M, our motives from our heart, what is it that we're trying to do in our words? One of those biblical motives is to be pleasing to God, to please God. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 19:14: May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So stop and think. Are your words and have your words been pleasing to God? It's a pretty big question. Have your words and are your words pleasing to God? A second motive, a second biblical motive behind our words we use is representing God. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.20, which is my life verse, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So again, stop and think. Are your words, are my words representing God? When we say things, are we representing God and what he stands for? Paul implores us in this verse to be reconciled to God, to be made right with him, to be made right with him. Stop opposing God. If you're opposing God in some way, stop it. I'm reminded of the the illustration, and I've shared this before, and so maybe you've heard it, but it just really stands out to me when I think of this verse. And it's the story of creation where God creates little Mark and Mary, for the sake of the illustration, And uh, he puts Mark and Mary down on the earth and lets them just enjoy everything in the garden. And everything is just wonderful. They're just having a great time. And God says, hey, there's just one restriction, and that is I don't want you to throw rocks in that pond over there. Don't throw rocks in the pond. Mark and Mary look at each other like, (laughs) okay. 
deal. So they just are enjoying the garden. Well, eventually Mark is like, I wonder why he said don't throw rocks in the pond, Mary. Mary's like, stop thinking about it. Mark's like, oh, I wonder. I mean, maybe there's something to it. So he picks up a rock and he throws it into the pond. And and there's ripples. And Mark is like, Mary, did you see that? That was was so cool. Look at that. That was, uh uh-oh. And there's a shadow. And God picks up little Mark and Mary. And Mary's like, I told you. And Mark's like, "Um, hi, God. And God goes, hey, Mark, I thought I told you not to throw rocks in the pond. And Mark is like, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Never happened again. And God goes, okay. So he puts him back down. Well, it happens seven times, okay? Seventh time, God picks up Mark and Mary. And Mark is like, oh. God goes, I thought I told you not to throw rocks in the pond, Mark. And Mark is like, oh, I know, but it was just so fun. And I, oh, I'm really sorry. I don't... You know, you know what, God? I don't need you, God. I can do the things I want to do. You're trying to rob me from joy. I wonder if there's anything in our lives that we're opposing God with. We're saying, God, I know I'm not supposed to do this or that. I know I'm not supposed to say this or that, but I don't care. I'm going to do it my own way because I think I know better. This is how you wired me, so this is who I'm going to be, God. And we kind of shake our fist at God and go, I'll do it my way, thanks. I know your Bible says I'm not supposed to A, B, or C, but I'm going to do those because that's what I feel. That's what I want. And I don't know about you, but if I were God, I think I'd be, sorry, tempted to look at Mark and Mary, Mark shaking his fist, and I'd be tempted to say, you know what, Mark? You're right. You don't need me. High five. Right? Little Mark and little Mary are saying, I I know better. Well, how do we do that in our lives? Do we? Is there some point we look up on God and go, you know what, I'm not interested in representing you or pleasing. I'm going to do my own thing, thank you. And you oppose what God wants to do in your life because it's how you feel, it's what you want. The reality is God says, I've got so much more for you, so much more. So through our words, are we pleasing God? Are we representing God? Paul would say, get right with him first, and then we'll deal with the words. So then the word and, or the symbol of and. And signifies that there's something else, right? So if we say this and, what would you say? This and that, yeah. Red and blue, okay? So there's something else happening. So the word and shows that there's more than just motives. Life is more than just motives. I want to do the right thing. I think I want to do the thing. I want to lose weight. I want to do this. I want to get in shape. But it's more than just motives and indicates there's more. Hebrew Proverbs are bite-sized Old Testament parables that help us navigate through life when there are no simple answers. They are written in poetic form and in Proverbs, most often in the form of parallelism with an A-B structure, which simply means an A and a B phrase, and B clarifies A. Same thing is true with our outline. We've talked about the motives, but the B clarifies and reveals our motives. The mouth clarifies or reveals our motives, as it says in Proverbs 4.23, again, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Properly aligned motives lead to something. Motives and mouths in this case. 
When we think about the mouth and the words we use, I think we're all pretty clear, right, of what we should do. We should speak the truth. We shouldn't speak falsely. Uh, we should, in Ephesians, actually it goes as far as to say this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but rather what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And as we saw earlier, Proverbs has a lot to say about the mouth and the words we use. Too often our words are motivated by our desire to defend ourselves and represent ourselves or cut others down so we feel better about ourselves. When our motive is to represent Jesus as his ambassador, our words really matter. We are to choose words wisely. So let's go back to the buckets. Pastor Seth has had these out once in a while about the no bucket. These are the things that the Bible would say, no, you definitely don't do. These are the yes things that yes, you should definitely do them. And these are the, uh, we're not really sure. It's kind of in between in there somewhere. Well, let's talk about the no bucket for a little bit in regard to our words. There's a lot of things listed in the Bible that says we shouldn't do things, right? But again, you shouldn't throw rocks in the pond. You shouldn't say these things. And yet we shake our fist at God and go, thank you, but I'll take it from here. And here are the things that the Bible says, or some of the things in the book of Proverbs that says we should not have as part of our words. Perversity and corrupt talk. Gossip. Destroying our neighbor. Speaking ill of our neighbor. Excessive talk. I got such a kick out of this one as I was preparing this week. Because you'll notice as you have these different topics and things brought up in Scripture, most of them have like one main reference. Like, hey, you know, this one, this one. <laughs> Excessive talk had three. Excessive. So anyway, I thought it was funny. Uh, you'll get it later maybe. Maybe you won't. That's okay. Uh, harsh words. That should not be a part of it. A harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, words spoken without thinking or without listening ahead of time. Or folly. Folly is lack of good sense or normal prudence and foresight. And then also the no bucket would be self-promoting. I think we know what these things are. We could read them all, but that's basically what they say. Do not self-promote. You know, don't speak more highly of yourself. Let others praise you. It was funny. This week, uh, there was a, my, my son had his physical for athletics and stuff. And uh, as I was preparing for this, this was running through my head. And the doctor was asking a whole bunch of things. And he reflect stuff and whatever. And, and uh, at one point, he goes, so what sports are you going to play? And he said, well, football, basketball, and golf. And he goes, okay. What are you playing football? And my son goes, corner. And, and right, the, the, the doctor goes, are you good? And I'm like, oh, let's see what the answer is here. Because all I'm thinking is don't self-promote, don't self-promote. I didn't say that to him, but I'm like, that was just ringing from the preparation this week. And he looked, he kind of was uncomfortable, kind of like, well, yeah? <laughs> I'm not sure I should say that, but yeah? So the Bible says, I was proud of him too. He didn't just go, yeah, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> I dare them to throw my, so I'm glad he didn't say that. But don't self-promote, which is easy to do. There's a lot of no things in Scripture, and there's a reason they say no, because as many of these verses say, because it causes division, because it defeats people. There's even life and death in our words, the Bible says. And then the Bible goes on to say in Proverbs, there's a whole bunch of yes things we should be about as well. And those yeses are a gentle answer. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We should speak wisdom. We should speak at the right time. A word aptly spoken is hugely beneficial. Sometimes we have the right thing to say, but it's the wrong timing. So, and that all of this lends to after thinking is when we should speak. 
So we slow down and we think, we go, God, what is it that you would have me to say? Howard Dahl, who spoke last week, is just a, 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 an example of how to do that. Anytime I've conversed with him or seen him speak somewhere, he's extremely careful with his words. And I appreciate that because it means that he's thought through what it is he's going to say. The Bible often says the no things are things that gush from our mouths and the good things are things we've thought about. Then knowledgeable things, don't just say things until you know they're true. And then also loving rebuke is another yes thing in Scripture. In Proverbs 27, 17, it just says, As one man sh- or iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What happens when iron is sharpened? Sparks fly sometimes. So sometimes we have to speak a hard word to somebody, but as we do it out of the motivation to represent Christ, it's a proper thing to say. If we find ourselves saying unwise things, we should examine our heart and make intentional efforts to fill our heart with truth. And if others say unwise things, remember it's out of the abundance of their heart their mouth speaks as well. Pray they recognize their need to be filled with God's truth and his love. So as we start to wrap up, three questions just to think about in regard to our words. The first one is, with what are you filling your heart? With what are you filling your heart? Do your words represent Christ or yourself? And then the third is, what is something you can do this week to fill your heart with God's truth? What is it? And to help you think about that last question, I broke up some suggestions or options for the cave table and road here at Salem if you're new or haven't been around much. We talk about the cave table and road. Cave is our time alone with God. Table is our time with other fellow believers. And then road is out when we share Christ with other people. So with the cave, maybe this is something you want to do this week to fill your heart and to stop filling it with other things that aren't good. Listen to God-honoring music or a podcast of some kind. Read more from the Bible. Watch a teaching video from a Christian source like Right Now Media. If you're not familiar with Right Now Media, go to our website and you have access, free access to Right Now Media through, say, or through, yeah, through the church. And uh, we'd love to get you into touch with that if you haven't already. So in the cave, three options. Table, invite some Christian friends over to talk about your favorite Bible passage. I've never been invited to one of those. I just think it would be so fun because if it's your favorite, you're kind of excited to talk about it, aren't you? I would be. Like, serious? I want to hear yours. That's cool. Why is that your favorite? What's the history behind that? Oh, that's awesome. Invite some friends over to watch a resource from Right Now Media. This this sermon is not brought to you by Right Now Media, but there's just some options (laughs) for you to go online, see some resources. They're great. Invite some friends over for games and a time of prayer. And then for the road, go downtown and ask people if you can pray for them. Most will answer, huh? Yeah, can I pray for you? I believe that helps. Oh, sure. Most people will say, I'd be, I'd be honored. Thank you. So go downtown and tell us about it. Uh, post a word of encouragement on a social media platform that lifts up the Lord. <laughs> what a thought. So on social media, saturate it with positive things about the Lord or his word or your favorite Bible verse. Or invite someone to church next week. Do something. Guard your heart. When you see M&Ms, remember to check your motive, check your heart, and remember to watch your words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so, so good to us. Thank you for your love for us. Forgive us when we go wrong on these things. 
Uh, but Lord, fix our heart uh, before we think we need our words fixed. We want to represent you well, so fill our heart with good things. Help us to represent you well as you've called us to be your ambassadors. Help us to be good ones. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.